Hey there, this is Mike, producer of the Autumn Miles Show. I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that in the course of recording this particular episode, we had some technical difficulties, so the sound may be a little bit different than what you're used to hearing. We believe the content and the message will still bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. She's passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Oh, my goodness. I, I To say I am excited to come to you guys today and to record is an understatement. The Lord has been rocking my world, especially in the book of John. John is like reading my mail right now, okay? And we're going to be all up in the book of John after the break. But I am so excited just to be with you. I feel just a fire in me. Now, and yeah, I know you guys are like, you always have fire. I know, but it's like a it's like a bonfire. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like the Lord has called all of us for such a time as this. The time is now to dig into the word. The time is now to do what he's asking you to do. The time is now. And I'm just, I'm super excited that this is one of the things that I get to do. So I'm excited to be here. I want to give you, you know, I know we we had a lot of stories to rummage through for what's been happening in my life because there's been a lot happening in my life. Um, But before we get to that, I want to just give a formal apology. Y'all know I am obsessed with the word of God. And I was actually listening back. I don't listen back to every podcast. We have a, sometimes I can't even, I can't, I can't listen to myself back. It, I drive my own self crazy. Isn't that funny? But anyway, I happened to listen back to the Easter broadcast and it had been posted for two days and I made a statement. I missed. Now, let me tell you something. I knew what I meant to say, but I said something different. And I said, Jesus made five statements on the cross. That's what I said. And as soon as I heard it, as I was listening to it in my car, I like cringed because I know several thousand of you guys download this and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to correct that. He did not make five statements. I meant to say he made seven statements. Okay. So I just want to set the record straight. We are not perfect over here. We're flawed human beings. And sometimes that happens, but we have a very smart, sharp team of people that this recording goes through. It's edited several times by my team, by our producer's team um, to make sure that doesn't happen, but it did this time. So please accept my apology and do know He made seven statements on the cross. He did not make five. And I'm not a perfect person. So there you go. There's my apology for that. I I felt um, strongly I needed to say that because I know a lot of you listen because of the word and, and all of those things. Okay, so here's the deal. I had three of my four children get baptized last week. 
And I say that to you to say that two of my children, Grace and Jude, um, my older children, had already been baptized. They felt very called by the Lord to get baptized again. And they all they all came to me separately. <laughs> it's like amazing how God does that. I think I told you guys several weeks ago that we got a letter from our church and the letter from the church said that Moses had accepted Jesus as his savior. And when I asked him, because I always ask my kids, what does this mean to you? I said, did you ask Jesus to come into your life? And he said, yes, I did it three times <laughs> just to cover all of his bases. So his little heart for the Lord is exploding right now. Your kids, they are never too small to hear about the principles of scripture. Never. I have taught my kids since they were in my womb. I quoted scripture over them. I sang praise songs over them as they were babies and I rocked them. I remember singing to Jude because he has terrible allergies, allergies that that's almost taken his life a couple of times. I would sing to him in the garden, uh, the hymn in the garden. And I mean, I would just go all out at 4 a.m. in the morning. And although he was so small, I know that those principles seeped in to his, to his heart. I know that they did because I'm seeing the fruit of it now. I've got Grace, who I, I'll never forget the day that, she, that I led her in the prayer to ask Jesus to come into her life. We were driving and she asked me specifically, I want to go, I want to go to heaven. And so we had that conversation, you know, you have it when they ask it, <laughs> don't wait. They're ready. They'll tell you. Okay. But in the last couple of months, the Lord has just been doing such a stirring in my children. And I take, I take a couple of days very regularly to pray over each one of them. So they'll all have their own day, you know, that that mom prays over them. And, and, and that's really all I pray for in that day. I, I dedicate days to pray for them. I started doing this a little bit ago, and I've just seen the drastic power of God just enhance on their life. It was already there, but there is just a renewed sense of fire for him. So Moses came to us first and said, I want to get baptized. And I was like, you know what that means? And he was like, I'm going to tell everyone that I love Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, it's a public profession of an inward decision. And my son Jude came to me one night about 10 o'clock at night. And then Grace has come to me in the last two weeks to say, I want to get baptized as well. And then we go to church and then they're like, baptisms are next Sunday. So they all got baptized. I'm telling you what, there's nothing like watching your children walk with the father. There is nothing like it. In today's day and age, when everything, everything is telling them not to, Everything is telling them that there's a different way, a better way. There are so many distractions in our culture. There is nothing like watching your children not just follow your faith, but own their faith. I told Grace the other day on the way to church, I said, your faith is not my faith anymore. She's 16 years old and it's, she is actually owning it. She's studying the scripture by herself. And I'm telling you what, it has been, I could, I could like break down and cry right now just because when you see your children walking with your savior, who you know <laughs> is, is what they need, all that they need and will supply all of their needs. 
when you see that your children are getting what you so desperately have loved for so long, there is nothing like it. So that's what's happening in my life. You know, I I had a really, really funny story about shrimp at Target, but I wanted to go the spiritual route today. But I want to tell you, talk to your kids about Jesus, even though they're babies, even when they're tiny, even when they're two and they're walking, tell them, tell them about the guy that couldn't walk and got up and he walked. Tell them about how Jesus gave sight to the blind. Tell them about how Jesus healed people because they do receive more than you think. Don't be so distracted on your phone. Don't be so distracted with what's happening in your world. They get it. They get it. So anyway, uh, it's been such a cool little season in our life when it comes to my children walking in the Lord and Haven's getting there. I know you guys are like, what about Haven? She's getting there. Okay. Anyway, that's what's happening in my life. You guys, I have an incredible word for those of you that are going through a rough, super rough transition after the break. Come back. If you are in a confusing transition of life, if you're going, God, what are you doing? Where are you? You're silent. I don't see you. I don't feel you. What is happening? What is happening to my life? This one's for you. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply. But God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab, the biblical harlot, and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get your copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Okay, guys, we're back after the break. Now, listen, I actually think that this message is for me. Okay. I don't know if you ever like catch yourself counseling someone or like someone calls you for advice and you give them advice and then you're like, wow, I actually think I need to take that advice. (laughs) What I'm getting ready to just disclose to you what the Lord really has laid on my heart to talk to you guys about today is just something that I, I feel very connected to personally myself. So if I get a little too preachery, it's because Jesus is a rocking my world with the book of John. Like I said earlier, I can't get enough of the book of John. Like I love all the books in the Bible, but right now I'm like, I feel like every, every once in a while, God's like, this is the one study this. I probably could preach 15 messages just from what I was studying earlier this morning. So anyway, I want to talk to those of you that are going through a hard transition. Okay. It's a hard transition. 
this is not a transition that is like, you know, you're getting promoted and it's like a wonderful transition. (laughs) This is like a transition where God has said, I want you to move to the other side of the country and to a place where you do not know. And maybe the culture is completely different and you're going to have no friends and you're going to have nobody. And, and that's what I want you to do. Okay. A hard transition. And maybe you've already moved and you're like going, God, why did I do this? Maybe you're in a transition with your kids. My kids are getting older. I I have told you, I've like grieved the fact that Grace could drive for like four months. Okay. It was really, really hard on me, but now that she can drive and now that I'm done grieving, it's, it's awesome. But that transition is hard when your kids are facing adulthood. You have a couple more years with them. You savor everything. My husband and I are really talking about like the vacations that we're going to take in the next couple of years and how this is going to affect Jude and Moses and Haven. And, you know, all of those things we're preparing. I'm someone who prepares in advance. I am very proactive. I am not a reactive person. So I'm, I'm looking down the future and thinking college and all of these things, even though she's about to be a junior. A hard transition, okay? Maybe you just lost your job and it was a job that you were at for 30 years and you're going, what do I do now? That's all I know. Hard transition. Where do I go from here? God, where are you? I picked this out. I actually did this message a couple of weeks ago, but I need, I needed because it was so strong in me to come back to it today. Those of you that are facing an incredibly hard and fast transition. Okay. Maybe your husband or your wife just came in and said, I want a divorce. It was out of nowhere. And now you're transitioning and you're going, God, what has just happened to my life? Hard and fast transition. You did not see it coming. Maybe you've got a a bad bill of health from someone, a hard, uh, for your doctor, a hard and fast transition. My husband actually a couple of months ago, which, um, I don't tell this stuff very often, but uh, just one day, he all of a sudden had a migraine for multiple days and was very, very like weird sick, like weird, weird sick for several days. We did not know what was wrong with him. And in a, a span of literally five minutes, our life was all of a sudden, we were scared. We did not know what was happening to him. It was an immediate transition to focus on what is going on with my husband because I love him and we needed to figure it out. Instant, an instant thing can push you in to a hard and fast transition. And if that is you today, I want to tell you, you have a lot in common with the disciples between the week of Palm Sunday and um, Resurrection Sunday. Now we are going to go back a little bit to the Easter season because we need to. The resurrection is always relevant. We should live praising the resurrected King every day of our lives. But I need, I need to make some points to you that I think are incredibly relevant during this these seven days and what what actually happened. Okay, so here we go. We have Jesus on Palm Sunday, and I'm gonna I have a lot of scripture to get to today. I want to get to the ones that are really gonna make this point and encourage your heart. So I'm gonna kind of tell the story. All right. So here we have Palm Sunday. So Jesus 
is riding through Jerusalem. He is on a donkey. He, people are screaming at him. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. It actually means in the original language, save us, we pray. What they were yelling at Jesus, Hosanna, was actually a prophetic word for what he was getting ready to do. Save us, we pray, is actually what Hosanna means. During this time period, from the perspective of the disciples, I mean, they are rolling with Jesus, right? Like they are like just chilling with the coolest cat in town, right? Like Jesus is healing everyone. Everyone's touching his garment. Bam, healed. He's got some mud. He rubs it on the eyes. The blind, bam, healed. He's like, go dip in the Jordan. Bam, no leprosy. He's like, he's doing all of these things. He's feeding all these tons of people. He's telling the woman at the well, I got the living water. He's telling people, I am the bread of life. You know, all of these things like this Dude, Jesus, our Savior, is the coolest thing that has ever hit the face of the world. And these 12 disciples get to roll with them, okay? So on Palm Sunday, they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. I mean, let's just be honest. We're going to talk from the perspective of the disciples today. They're probably feeling great. They're like, look at our leader. Look at our boss man. Look at what he is doing. All Jerusalem's coming out to wave branches at him. I mean, just think of think of what they're, they're probably feeling really, really good. Okay, cut to a couple of days later. <laughs> Judas at the Last Supper literally is given permission, which I'm going to preach on this one day. Judas was given permission by Jesus to betray him. Judas could not have betrayed him without the authority of the Lord allowing it. Okay, we're going to talk about that later. Woo, I felt the Lord on that. But here we're cut to the Last Supper. Everyone's chilling. You know, they're eating whatever they eat at the Last Supper. Okay, Judas gets up and leaves. And all of a sudden, they don't know it yet. They don't know what's getting ready to happen. But almost instantly... Them rolling with the boss man that is so cool, the savior of the world, which we know from hindsight, them rolling with Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, all of a sudden becomes not cool, okay? And that happens in Gethsemane whenever uh, Judas comes and betrays him and he's taken into custody, okay? I want to talk about that transition, I want to talk about how good God was to prepare them, even though they didn't understand what was going to happen, Jesus already had prepared them for it, okay? So so Sunday, they're with the coolest dude in town. A couple days later, they all scatter. But this is what he says during that week that I think gets read over too fast we don't focus on because those of us that are in transition, the thing that we need to remember when it's hard, when it's fast, when it's frustrating, when it's confusing, when it makes no sense, when everyone's reeling, when you don't know what to do is what has Jesus said? What has Jesus promised you? What word has God spoken over your life? What, what passage from scripture has lit your fire? What is it? And when you're in a massive transition, 
You can't sometimes even form a normal thought. You have to begin to remember what God said before the hard and fast transition started. That's how you get through a confusing, hard transition. So I want to read this passage of scripture for you. It's from Peter. I love Peter because he was so messed up. And so am I. I just love that he he needed God's grace and, and so do I. But here we have Peter. Jesus is washing his feet. And I want you to pay attention to the text. I'm going to hop through scripture today, but it's all going to make the same point in John 13. We see Jesus doing something that's a little weird, okay? He begins to wash his disciples' feet. And this is what he says, John 13. Now, this is during the Last Supper. John 13, verse 5, I'm going to pick it up right there. It says, then he, Jesus, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded or given. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what do you do not realize now, but you will understand afterwards? What you don't realize right now, Peter, is that I'm showing you that I am about to serve you. What you don't realize is happening right now because Jesus knew that Peter had no clue what was getting ready to happen, even though it was legitimately hours away and already in process because Judas had left. When Jesus set all the disciples down to wash their feet, he was foreshadowing what he was getting ready to do. He was going to serve them in the most supreme way. Peter's like, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, what you don't understand right now, you're going to understand in a little while. John 13, 6 and 7. Verse 8, Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part in me. I think something from this text is so endearing to me when we're when we are in the middle of a transition. Now listen to what I'm saying to you. Peter, hours later, denied Jesus three times. He had no idea what was getting ready to transpire. He had no idea the harsh and fast transition that he was about to be thrust into. So Jesus told him in advance, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm about to serve you. You don't understand what I'm doing right now. It looked weird. It looked confusing. Peter was going, what the heck is happening, Jesus? You don't wash my feet. I serve you. I wash your feet. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to wash your feet and you're going to understand soon. That to me is a word for somebody today who's going through that hard and fast transition. What you don't understand right now, eventually you will. What looks confusing right now eventually will make perfect sense. What looks out of order right now eventually you'll be grateful for. 
some of you that you are going through, and I'm not talking about like, you know, transitioning to a new fabric softener. Like who cares about that? Okay. I'm talking about hardcore things. You had to leave your church because of whatever, and you can't find another one and you're going through a hard transition. You get let go and you have no idea why, because you're overqualified for your job and you have no idea how you're going to make ends meet. A hard transition. You've got bad news from the doctor. Jesus was so clear with Peter. I'm going to wash your feet. It's going to be weird. You're not going to understand it, but soon you will. And I feel like he's telling us that today. Soon you will. So that's what I want to focus on. What the disciples went through in the next 72 hours was some of the most traumatic things you could go through as people. You're watching your best friend get falsely accused. You're watching him bounced around from Sanhedrin to Herod to Pilate to all of these different trials that he had to go through, all of them unfair. You're watching your friend get whipped. He's got a crown of thorns placed on his head. You're watching your friend, your savior, the Messiah. You're watching him weak. You're watching him struggle. And then he's get, he gets taken to the cross and you'll watch him die. You are hiding or far away because of the threat that it is now on your life because you were close to him. These disciples went through some of the most traumatic things that you possibly could, a hard and fast transition in the moment they didn't understand. But let me tell you something. If they would have had remembered what Jesus had said. It would have been a different story. I want to show you how good God is. That when we're in the midst of a transition, God normally has prepared us for that thing. We just didn't know in the time he was actually preparing us for what we are going through. I want you you guys to go, and I'm turning in my Bible right now, to Matthew 20. I think it's important for us to note that although the disciples went through a hard and very fast transition, it should not have been a surprise to them because Jesus and his love basically told them outright, I'm going to die on a cross and get resurrected. So even though Jesus knew that the disciples were going to forget how, uh, what Jesus had told them about the end of his life, even though Jesus knew they were going to forget, he still told them to prepare them. Sometimes God tries to tell us via his spirit or his word or something like that, this is coming. I'm going to prepare you. This is, this is coming. And we choose not to remember because we don't want to remember. But God in his goodness, if you actually think back and if you've been seeking the Lord and all of a sudden something has come upon you, maybe the Lord has actually did tell you ahead of time. And that's what we see him doing in 
these few verses that I'm going to share with you in Matthew. Okay. Matthew 20 says this, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples. This is Matthew 20, 17. He took the 12 disciples aside by themselves. And on the way to Jerusalem, he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered to the chief priest and scribes and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. So we see Jesus right before they went to Jerusalem saying, this is what's coming. This is what's going to happen. Now, why they didn't remember that, I do not know. But the text suggests, and I'm going to get there in a minute, they forgot. They did not even remember that Jesus had said this stuff to him. Uh, Matthew 26 says this, verse 1. When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, verse 2, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming. And the son of man will be handed over for crucifixion. He told them again, this is what is coming. I'm trying to prepare you for a really hard transition. I'm not going to be here forever. I am going to be crucified. Okay. So Jesus is trying to prepare them for something that is going to be incredibly traumatic. But again, they forgot. Then we go back to the text where Jesus is washing Peter's feet and he still doesn't get it, even though he's been told. Why are you washing my feet? Well, Peter, you don't understand right now, but soon it's all going to make sense to you. And then it all unfolds. When Jesus dies on the cross, he's immediately taken to Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And oh my goodness, I could talk forever about that. And, and I got the rest of my life too, which is great. But when he dies, we see the disciples gathering back together. They've got the door shut super, super tight. They don't want anybody to come in. They're terrified. Jesus is dead. What the heck? What is going on? What just happened to my life? They're reeling. They're scared. But as they come back together, it's so interesting to me that none of them remember what Jesus had told them just a few days prior. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be crucified. But in three days, I'm going to rise again. They don't remember. So they're scared. If they would have remembered, they would have sat on the edge of their seat and they would have been like waiting for the resurrected king to charge and to roll that stone back. But they weren't because they didn't remember. This is the point I want you guys to get today who is in a hard and fast transition. What has God said to you? God allows us to go through crazy seasons. I mean, look at the disciples. Look at Jesus himself. Look at what he allowed himself to do. So submissive. God allows us to do that. And how do you 
make it through the hard and fast and confusing transition. How do you do that? How do you persevere? How are you tenacious? How do you not give up the faith? How do you stick it out? How do you not find yourself in an upper room with 10 other guys looking around going, what just happened to our life? We thought Jesus was this. We thought Jesus, what? how, how can he not save himself? What is going on? What's going to happen to us? How do you not find yourself in the same way, a place that the disciples found themselves in. How do you avoid that mentality? And the answer is this. If you want to persevere through this confusing, frustrating season of transition where all you want to do is give up on the Lord and all you want to do is throw in the towel and all you want to do is say, I have had enough of this Jesus stuff. This is how you persevere. You remember what Jesus has said to you and you allow those words to encourage your soul in a way that maybe for the first time they have. You've got to remember. You've got to remember to persevere. John 2 gives us a beautiful little snapshot (laughs) into why I know that they didn't remember. In John 2, this is way before the Passover, the Palm Sunday, all of that, the whole week is way, 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 way before. This is what it says. His disciples remembered John 2, 17 that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now, this is when he goes and he's like, he turns all the tables over in the temple and all the, all the things. The Jews said to him, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? They're basically saying, why are you wrecking the temple, you crazy person? Jesus answered them and said, destroy the temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now I know from the text and just from hindsight, he was actually talking about himself in three days. I'm going to raise it up. And the Jew said to him, it took 46 years for you to build the temple and you will raise it up in three days. And then it's explained, like I just said, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. And verse 22 gives us insight to the disciples. So when Sunday came and he was raised from the dead. So when he was raised from the dead, it did not happen before. The disciples remembered that he said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. This tells us Exactly what I've been saying this whole time. They forgot. When he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. They remembered. And once they remembered. Well, I don't know. Peter starts the church, you know, Pentecost happens. Oh my goodness. I mean, the whole thing. It's like, I mean, then the rest of the, the, the Bible comes to pass and it's just phenomenal. But they didn't remember until after he was resurrected. And then 
just like Jesus told Peter when he washed his feet. You don't get this now, but you're going to in a little while. It all made sense after the resurrection. Um, There was a day in 2019 I had done two books and, and of course, didn't make sense. Why, why am I releasing two books in 11 months? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It was my version of Jesus washing my feet because I was like, why am I, this makes zero sense. Couldn't I have spaced this out a little bit? The first one was I Am Rahab. The second one was Gangster Prayer. And I remember there was such an urgency for Gangster Prayer. I actually wrote Gangster Prayer in three months. I don't recommend that, but I did. The Lord really squeezed everything in me out of me. I've been on book tour for quite a while, traveled everywhere. I, I, I love book tour. It's so fun. You meet the coolest people. You get to go on all this, this stuff and it's just so fun. But in November of 2019, Cassie, of course, Cassie's worked for me for years, right? She travels with me everywhere. God bless her heart. It was the last event I had for really a long stretch. We were on the road forever. Like uh, it was like every, every weekend for a long, for months. And I sat on the bed and I had Cassie take a picture because of course we're going to put this on IG, right? She takes this picture and I look at it because of course I have to approve it. (laughs) So I'm like, let me see the picture. And I'm sitting on the bed as she's taking this picture and we're getting ready to walk out to go to my last thing. And the Lord said this to me, this is it for a while. This is in November of 2019. And I'm like, that's weird. (laughs) What? At that point, I was ready to do my fourth book. I was like, I was actually in process of working on it and all the, all the things had an incredibly full schedule for 2020. We were going to be everywhere. It was going to be so amazing. It was like the gears were turning. Everything was boom. It was like, I call it greasy when it's real greasy. You know how the wheels, you know, they just turn. There's no squeaking. It was just real greasy. And I, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is it for a while. And I'm like, that's weird. But I knew it was the Lord because I know how he speaks to me. And, you know, we go through Thanksgiving. We go through Christmas. We go through January. I'm starting to travel in January. And then March happened. And the chaos of 2020 ensued. And what I didn't understand in November, the Lord had told me ahead of time and prepared me for the hard and fast transition of 2020. After the transition happened, it all made sense. One of the beautiful things that happened during that time is the Lord reminded me that he had prepared me for what was happening. And it was a lot easier for me to deal with all of the different changes that was happening, not just in my life, in the whole world's life. And just very specifically in what I was doing, because, you know, anyone, anyone that did events basically had no job. So we had to adapt. It forced us to change. It was a hard and fast transition. And I just want to tell those of you uh, today, I'm thankful that the Lord prepared me. And um, if you're in that and you don't feel as if you have any encouragement whatsoever, I want you to take a second today and I want you to sit down and I want you to remember the things that the Spirit has said to you where you're like, that's weird. That doesn't make any sense. 
He told you because he loves you to prepare you for what you're going through now, which tells me you're going to come out of it and you're going to find out why and that God was faithful to you the whole time. Those of you that are in transition, your girl feels your pain over here. And I just want to tell you, I love you. And so does the Lord. This is not a time to give up. This is the time to press in. And let's just see how God brings you out of this. Okay. I love you guys so much. I'm going to come back with a question and with a story from one of you. I'll see you in a sec. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, uh, here we go. I have a question from one of you guys, and I love this question. Amanda gave it to me, and she's like, you're going to love this one. And she was right. After she read it to me, I was like, I love this. Robin asked this, how do you make familiar Bible stories feel new again? It's hard for me to think outside the box, which makes it hard to see the same story in a different way. What do you do? Robin, I'm obsessed with this question. I love that you ask it. I think, I think it's like, we could even like hashtag real talk here. Let me read it again for you guys. And then I'm going to give you um, exactly what I think about this. How do you make, make familiar Bible stories feel new again? It's hard for me to think outside the box, which makes it hard to see the same story in a different way. What do you do? Robin, What I'm about to say is going to be so complex. (laughs) Not really. I pray for discernment. I am not interested in, I don't want to say not interested because that's not really true. I am constantly looking for the nuggets of wow in there. Those of us that have been in church forever, like I was basically born in the nursery of church. Like we're like 41 years strong over here in church. A lot of times the enemy wants to get us to a place of been there, done that, heard that. I know everything. I know where that's found. I'm awesome. Blah, 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 blah. He tempts us to become very, uh, almost self-righteous a little bit. Like, I know this. I got this in the bag. You're talking about Joshua. I've heard this a hundred times. I could tell you. But this is what I know about the Lord. The Lord is so creative. He is so vast. His understanding is so much higher than ours that I just must know more. 
And that's the desire that I have in my heart. So when I read, that's why I teach so much on Joshua and David and the Old Testament, because so many people have shut themselves off to the truth and those stories, but they are dripping with little nuggets that all you have to do is pray for discernment to see. My husband asks me this all the time. He's like, I cannot believe you got that from that passage. And I'm like, I did it. The Lord did. <laughs> I was reading it. It it really illuminated to me. And, and I started studying this portion of that story. And it led me to whatever. A good example of this is my book, I Am Rahab. All I ever knew about Rahab is that she was a biblical harlot. I thought that was pretty interesting. I read the text and all of a sudden the Lord started showing me things about Rahab that I had never heard talked about. I had never heard teach, but I had a responsibility. Those things that interested me, I had to study on my own in order to find. So Robin, when you're reading a Joshua and Jericho, when you're reading a Jonah and the great fish, not a whale, a big fish. When you're reading those things, ask the Lord, say, Lord, I've heard this before, but what have I not heard? That's what I'm asking you to reveal to me. And let me tell you something, sister, he will do it. And you'll, you'll stand in awe of what you've missed for years. Okay. Thanks Robin for that question. That was an amazing question. And I hope that helps you. Now I want to give a praise report. This comes from Michelle. This is what's happening in your life, family. I told you what's happening in my life. All my kids getting baptized, except for little Havy babe. She'll, she'll, she'll get baptized eventually in Jesus' name. But this is from Michelle. Michelle uh, contacted our ministry in January, and she said, she asked us, we get a lot of these, please pray for my husband, Nick. He was in a bad accident with a snow plow. It sliced and shattered his hand. Ooh, yikes. I'm praying boldly for a miracle for healing in his hand that the Lord will use all of this for his glory. And so that was in January. The next week, she sends us an updated message and she says this, the Lord opened the doors for him to have the best hand slash plastic surgeon in our area. And they were able to save all of his fingers. God answered quickly because she needed to answer quickly. These kinds of things, you guys, are happening throughout all of you guys, all of our listeners. You guys are a family. You just don't know it. You are connected through what we're doing here. You just have never met each other. So let's all praise the Lord that God answered Michelle's request, saved her husband's fingers. I don't know what I'd do without. I mean, I mean, fingers are important. <laughs> so I'm really glad that he saved them. But this is what God is doing. There are miracles amongst us. There are miracles around us. The spirit of God is in our midst. Reach out to him today. What is it that you need? Reach out to him and ask him, pray boldly, pray specifically, and God will answer you as well. We're, we're all the same guys. Uh, the Bible says in James that Elijah was a man just like us, yet he prayed and fire rained down from heaven. We're all the same. We all have access to the same Jesus. I don't have more access than you do. We all have the same access. So pray like your life depends on it and like that miracle does as well. I'm going to pray us out. Thank you, Michelle, for that. God bless you, my friend. I'm so happy to see that update. Lord, we love you. We treasure you. We thank you. We are in awe of you today for your power, for your might 
for your goodness. I pray specifically right now for those people that are going through a transition and they're like, what just happened to my life? Lord, I pray that you would help them remember. I'm going to do something big. You're not going to understand it now, but it's coming. I pray that you would help them remember what you've spoken over their lives, the dreams, the goals, the things, the blessings that you have spoken over their lives. I pray that they would remember in order to not get trapped in the doubt and fear trap that the disciples were in for those few days. I pray that they would remember, Lord, I pray even as I'm speaking spirit of the living God, I pray that you would remind them what you said, remind them, remind them right now what you have said to them, what you have promised them, remind them a passage of scripture that they have been encouraged by, remind them. Speak life to them, spirit of the living God. Like I can't, like nothing else can but you. And we give you the praise and we give you the honor and we give you the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. I love y'all so much. I'll catch up right back here next week for a new edition of the Autumn Mall Show. Have an awesome week. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.